Hi, I'm Pastor James, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church in Hillsborough, Oregon. Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. Our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so each weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please visit our website at www.isunrise.com, I-S-O-N-R-I-S-E.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you, grow along the journey of life with others, develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost, and then learn how to lead other people to know Jesus Christ. Now, on to our weekend message. Where's mom? She left you guys? You're on your own? My three boys don't have a parent near them. Okay, let's just have an emergency meeting of the ushers. No, no. (laughs) Oh, Josiah's in charge. (laughs) No. You know, I I love my sons. They're amazing. Um, They're taller than my wife, actually, the the middle one, Noah. He's now taller. And Seth, you're going to be taller than me, me even. And it's amazing. I remember when they were just young, uh, just little, little guys. Um, I have pictures if you want to see. They'd be embarrassed. But it was an awesome time to see these little guys. But one of the things that would just frustrate mom and dad, Mary Beth and I, was this matter of fairness. You know, you've had that. I used to do that to my mom where, you you know, which cup is it? You line three cups up and there's a little milk in each one and so and so got more. And you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's like, and then you argue and you fight. Well, the problem in our household was my wife thought, brilliant idea. Let's go get these uh, cereal bowls with the little sippy straw. You know, and then you can blow bubbles, which is kind of cool. But let's get them in different colors. Oh, my goodness. That was the worst decision ever because now it was always the arguing. Was it the green bowl or the red bowl? I forget. Which one? The yellow bowl. Oh, they fought over the yellow bowl. One day I'm like, I was so, I'm like, I'm just going to melt this plastic down, get rid of it and go buy yellow for everybody. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, this is ridiculous. You know, but you know how it is. The issues of fairness. It's not fair. It's not fair. Thankfully they've gotten older and we don't. Wait a minute. We do have those problems. Um, uh, and, and so now it's more about what's it like Minecraft? How much Nintendo DS or, or playing on the computer or something like that? iPad time um, or how big, it, you know, how big the cake is and slice of cake, things like that. Um, but, you know, that's not a kid issue. That's a human issue, right? You, you don't you don't ever grow out of that. Maybe about cake you don't grow out of. But other things is like you look at life and you realize that every once in a while when you scan the horizon, life isn't fair, right? I mean, you look around in life. I remember when I was in my 20s and I was uh, single, I struggled as a single person because I wanted to be married. I had missed that opportunity in college. Um, I, I, you know, I had a lot of great friends that were girls, but I wasn't romantically interested in anyone there. And then I get out on my own and I'm in Boise, Idaho, of all places. There's only a few people there. And so, you know, in my heart, I wanted to be married, but I was single. If you're single, you know, you, you understand that there's this longing of intimacy in a relationship. And, and, you know, I, I played the God card because I was a youth pastor. It's like, come on, God, I'm serving you. I'm doing this work. I'm working with high school students and junior hires for crying out loud. They got to give me bonus points for that. Right. And, and why, why am I still single? And, and then there were moments I'd look around and see people that were married. I just, you know, long for that. And I wondered, God is, is there a fairness moment here? Could you do something for me? 
Um, maybe some of you, you know, understand that. Maybe you're, you're, you're married and you don't have children. I have friends that just can't have kids. They've tried and tried and tried and they long for kids and look at some of you and you just so effortlessly have children. And some of you are like, I would love to not have kids. Uh, um, but, but, but we look at other people and we see what we want or we think would be best and sometimes what we think we deserve and it's just not fair, right? Um, maybe some of you look around and you look at somebody else's marriage. You look at a lot of people's marriage and you go, what happened to this nice marriage I was promised? I mean, I, I went to the altar. I did the premarital counseling. I've been to church. Everybody else has a great marriage and mine is tanked. I mean, I don't understand why my marriage is such a mess and it looks like other people's, the Facebook marriage is perfect, right? You know, why, why is everybody else enjoying what I should be enjoying? And then you look around at things like this. I talk to a lot of men and this is a, I, maybe a woman thing, but I know it's a man thing is you look around and you go, you know, I, I, I did everything. I'm working hard, but I'm not making the kind of money that other people are making. I mean, just because they went into a certain business, they're making two and three times what I make. And I, I mean, I'm struggling to make it, you know, I'm struggling to make it. I work this, I work an extra job, whatever. And guys struggle with that. So much of our identity is wrapped up in our job and sometimes in our paycheck. But sometimes it's more than that. It's just, I need to provide for my family and I'm working extra jobs. I'm trying to get out of debt. And it just seems like other people can buy a car with no effort. They can move into a new home with no struggle. But what, what about me, God? I mean, aren't I faithful? Why, why isn't life a little more fair? And then you look at retirement. I talked to a couple friends in the last few weeks who... Well, retirement was supposed to look like this, and now it looks like that, and now you're in charge of other things. And some of you grandparents, you're watching your grandchildren. You're actually the guardians of your grandkids. And, you know, you're thinking, I was supposed to be retired. I was supposed to get an RV. I was supposed to go to Italy. I was supposed to do all these things, and either I don't have any money. The 401k is not. You know, the economy has struggled. All my savings are gone. Or my family situation now requires me to step in and be a mom or dad again. And you look at your other friends and they're, they're, you know, seriously, they're posting these great pictures. And you're wondering, that's just not fair, God. What about all the work that I've done? It wasn't supposed to turn out like this. And then if you want to get real emotional, you think about health. We all know people that have died. And uh, I I think about my brother-in-law, Jack, who passed away recently. I think my sister, she sent me a text Yesterday, as I was coming into church, she goes, I'm just hurting. I, I gave her a grief share CD to listen to. And it's just too, she says, I started it's just too soon. It's, I'm just in tears. I go, hon, I love you. That's okay. Just remember those moments. And uh, he, why did he get cancer and die? You know, why? You know, he was in the prime of life, a really good man, doing a lot of charitable things. Why did it choose him? And he fought so valiantly and he died. And then Mary Beth and I, on Saturday night, we were gone on Saturday. We flew down to uh, John Wayne Airport, got a car, went to the service. It was delayed about a month uh, at, at a Catholic uh, church. His, his mom's Catholic, great service, un- unbelievable gospel presentation there. And then went to the country club. This is an Orange County country club, by the way. And really, really, really rich. Hundreds of people. And got to MC and share a little bit about, about Christ. And, and, um, and then gather at the home afterwards with... 30, 40 family and friends. And you think, you know, why? 
You know, why did it choose that person? You could ask my sister that. That's a valid question. It just doesn't seem fair. Well, then we're at the airport at the end of the evening. It's just a one day shot. We're flying back and we're sitting there waiting for our plane. And I'm reading the day's news and I hadn't been able to catch up. And I'm on on CNN reading this news about a, a fire in a warehouse in Oakland. So I'm reading this to Mary Beth. And, you know, she says, it sounds like where Joey lived. I'm like, what? Yeah, Joey, you know, John and Kathy's son. He was living in a warehouse in Oakland and he's a musician. And so I'm on Facebook. All of a sudden I get a phone number and I'm calling his sister and he's missing. He's, they can't find him. And then all week his family flies down and they're looking and everybody that's being pulled out of the warehouse is not Joey. Um, the very last body. Body number 36 is Joey. And yeah, what do you do in a moment like that? His friend said he showed up at 11.15 and the fire broke out at 11.30. You're thinking, where is fairness in everything? I mean, John and Kathy, they were elders at our church here. They were missionaries to Africa. They're just wonderful, godly people. And Joey, just a loving young guy. And you wonder, where is life when things aren't fair? What's going on? Where's God? You ever feel that? You ever have those moments when you're honest with God and you're not afraid that lightning's going to blast you and you just cry out to the heavens and you go, I-, I thought things would be different. I thought life would be more fair than this. Today we're going to see a story of Jesus that I think is going to actually frustrate us more uh, if we're struggling with the issue of fairness. But I would hope um, another emotion would come up and it would be an emotion of uh, gratefulness. As Jesus begins to tell this story, this parable, he begins to explain that things aren't the way we think they should be on the earth. Now in heaven, they're going to be different. But right now, things do not work out the way we imagine they're going to work out. And in spite of all of our planning, and in spite of all of our hard work, sometimes the exact opposite happens in our life. And how do we respond when something like that happens to us? So last week, Pastor Taylor preached did a great job in Matthew chapter 20. And the story was of this rich young ruler. And this guy comes to Jesus and he says, hey, how do I get to eternal life? And Jesus says, obey the commands. The guy says, I did all of it. And he, you know, basically he had been a great guy. Um, but Jesus says, go sell your possessions because that's your idol. That's the God you've been worshiping, really. He goes away sad. And the disciples then turn to Jesus. And this is their moment. They go, but wait a minute. If this guy can't get to heaven and he did all these amazing things, what hope is there? I mean, we've given up everything for you. I mean, you think about it. These guys, uh, Matthew gave up his tax collecting business, pretty wealthy. And he walked away from that. He can't go back. Uh, The fishermen, Peter, James, John, Andrew, they walked away from their family. They walked away from their fortune. They left it there on the beach in the the form of these fish and the nets. They walked away from all of that and they said, we're going to leave everything and follow Jesus. And for three and a half years, they've been following Jesus. And and they look around and they go, if we've done all this to give it up for you, what guarantee is that for us? And then Jesus says these words the very end of the story. He says this, but many who are first will be last and the last first. It's one of those confusing ones, right? It's like, hold on. But if it's first and last, then if you're last and you're first, and is it like a cycle? Jesus is saying, it's not how it is, at least how we think it should be. It's different. 
that if you line yourself up and you think I'm going to be in the front of the line, um, they're going to start at the back of the line. Wouldn't that be frustrating at Disneyland, right? You get the fast pass and you're all there. You've been there with three hours with your kids and it's sweating and it's screaming and everything's there and they open up and they pick the people in the last. You would be outraged, right? You would be angry. You know, Walt would be rolling in his grave, right? Because that's not fair. But things don't work out the way we think they should, especially in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus begins to tell a story. Now, before you turn there, I want to kind of enter the story. Imagine if you were, um, you don't have a full-time job. We're in an economy that's basically based on day labor. And um, so everybody hangs out at Home Depot and you're there in the parking lot and you're just waiting for a job. You get up early. You know, you pack a lunch and you're there and you show up at 5.30 and you're hanging out. Somebody's serving coffee, you know, and, and you're just, you know, it's just cold. You're huddled there and you're just waiting for work. I mean, you need work because you need a day's pay because you have bills, you have a wife, you have kids, you, or you have a husband and you have kids. But the fact is you're wanting to work and you're waiting there and you're in the place. And so a guy pulls up in a truck, says, hey, I need six people. I need six people who need to work in my field. We're going to harvest grapes today. And you're like, absolutely, sign me up. You go there, you get to the farm, and you're working there at the vineyard, and you're picking grapes. And you're excited. You're thankful. It's cold. Um, but you, you're going to have a, a full day's wage. It's going to be exciting. At the end of the day, you're going to get paid. You go home, and you give it to your family. Things are going to be great. So you work, and you work, and you work. And a few hours later, about 9 in the morning, uh, the farmer comes up with a pickup truck uh, with some more workers, five or six more workers. And you're thankful because it's just starting to get warm. And You've just finished your first coffee break and you're thinking, there's no way we're going to get this all done. We need more people. And so you greet the workers, you give them, you know, high five and you go, here's how it works. And you get them lined up and you're feeling good. And then lunch break happens and uh, you've got your lunch. You stop a little bit. It's good because it's backbreaking work and it's good to sit down for a few minutes. And then all of a sudden the farmer shows up with another truckload of guys and gals. And so they're working and they join you. You're really help, you know, helpful, but they're going to be even more helpful because there's no way you can all accomplish this on your own. You need more. And so you kind of give them a little bit of the spiel and you tell them what's going on. And then about three o'clock, more workers show up and you're thankful for that. And it looks like you're going to be able to accomplish the job. And just an hour before closing at five o'clock, one more truckload shows up and you're thankful. Why? Because they're going to get to clean up. I mean, you get to hand some of the job off to them. They're going to finish it. You actually will have finished the harvest today and you will be able to go home thankful. You can tell your kids stories of what you got to do and how you were able to do it and how you worked hard because you had a day's work and a day's wage to do that. But then something happens that turns your emotions upside down. Well, let's open our Bible and see what that looks like. It's in the book of Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 20, page 750 in your chair Bible. And the verses are on the screen and I'm just going to read them, get to this point where we were, just kind of walk through this. This is what the story says for the kingdom of heaven. uh, And this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, always explaining these things with stories. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. Now, in all of these stories, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner or a farmer or a king. That's always God. Okay, and the worker or the servant or the slave, that's always us. He says here, he went to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. Good. Okay, so they're going to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace in Hebrew, that's Home Depot, and saw some people, (laughs) that's a joke, because that's actually Greek. It's Lowe's. Um, Saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. 
So they went to work in the vineyard at noon and again at three o'clock. He did the same thing. Why? Because that's what a worker does, right? They work. There's not enough. That's what the foreman does. That's what the farmer does. I need more workers. Let me go hire more people. It makes sense, right? This is a normal occurrence. At five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and he saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. Now, you, you got it, right? Jesus said the first will be last and the last will be first. That's what he's telling. He's telling a story here. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed, now that's important, they assumed that they would receive more. Why would they assume they would receive more? Because they've been working all day. Well, wait a minute. Didn't they agree to work for a full day? Yeah, but, but that isn't, that's not fair. That doesn't make any sense, right? That's not how life works. Call the union, you know, call someone, call the police, call someone, you know, call the farmer's wife, Just call someone. Something's not right. But they too were paid a day's wage, which is an outrage, right? I mean, immediately you're feeling this emotion that now if that were me, if I'd been working 12 hours to get the money, even though I agreed and somebody shows up for one hour and gets the same amount of money, you know, inside of us immediately would cry out. That's not fair. That's not fair. Even though we agreed when they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat, which the farmer knows this, of course, obviously, right? But they're saying, let me just let it flow off my lips because if I say it, maybe you'll understand because this doesn't make sense. And then look at the response. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. No, no, you have. You've absolutely been unfair. Because fairness means equal work, equal pay, right? And if you work more, you should get more, right? That's what fair is. That's how fair works in our world today. That's fair. If you work in a job and you find out you're doing the same exact job as your coworkers and you discover that they're making $20,000 more a year than you, you immediately say, that's not fair. I'm doing the same amount of work. Well, and what if you find out they're doing half the work you're doing and still making 20,000 more? That's then you stamp your feet, right? And you call your friends and commiserate on, you know, not on Facebook because you'll probably get fired at that point. But it's like, that's not fair. The world works a certain way. I haven't been unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? But that's not the point. Yeah, I did that. But then circumstances changed. There are, there are different situations now that require me to be angry and upset. Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Well, in our culture today, actually it could be, right? You actually could go to your, I mean, something could go wrong for this guy because we have laws now, right? We have rules to make everything fair, but not in that culture. Look at this. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous? This is the bottom line for me. Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? Absolutely, I should be jealous because that's not fair. But what about those people? Uh, you know, I don't know, but I know this. I worked a full day and I deserve more. But that's not what I agreed to. It doesn't matter because life isn't 
working out the way I want. So those who are last now, look at Jesus finishes it up with the way he started it, will be first then, and those who are first will be last. So what do you do? Think about this. Some of you, you're a 6 a.m. worker. Let's put it into the spiritual terms that Jesus is really talking about here. You've been a follower of Christ for 20, 30, 40 years. You've been serving in the church. You've been serving in the kingdom of God many, many decades. Some of you got in 20 years ago. I came to Christ in 1979, and so I'm one of the old ones. You know what I mean? I've been serving in church all my life. I've been a pastor for almost 30 years. I've been at Sunrise for over 20 years. You know, think about this. Some of you have been here longer than me, right? So you've done this a long time. Others of you, you look around, you go, they just showed up. They, they just showed up. I, I remember when Sunrise started to grow and we started to serve the community. We started to do outreach, started to share the gospel. People were coming to Christ. People were showing up. And I remember there were moments when the people that had been there a long time were getting angry. Because how dare they stand at the door and greet? That was a real circumstance. Somebody came to me and said, they've only been here a year and they're already serving at the door. They're greeting people. My response is, well, you've been here like 20. Why don't you do it? You know, why don't you do it? But all of a sudden the new people were getting all the credit because they were, you know, doing something. You ever feel that every once in a while? You go, I've been faithful. No, not once has Pastor James put a slide about the thing that I did. And now somebody feeds somebody and they get a slide. Nobody knows about all that I'm doing, right? Have you ever, come on, let's be honest. We get in that mode where, you know, I'm a 6 a.m. worker. I'm a nine. I, okay, I showed up at 12. You know, I'm not one of those three o'clock people. <laughs> three o'clock people. What a loser. I'm a, I'm a noon person. Isn't it, what is it weird? It's weird about us. I remember when we were, you know, looking at our church, we were over there, Rogan Street, the whole Jones Farm property hadn't even been developed yet. And we were having community meetings in our fellowship hall. And uh, it was interesting um, because people were upset that they were going to open up Jones Farm for more houses. And people that had moved in two or three years earlier were going, that's not right. We've been here and there's no way they should develop that property. And we asked, well, how long have you been here? Three years. Oh, wow. Just because you showed up, now nobody else gets it, right? That's right. Because I want my view of the field. It's like, you just showed up. What right do you have? You weren't born there. We get that in our lives, right? Man, I have been at this company for 20 years. Why aren't I getting a raise? Why aren't I getting put into a position like that other person? That just doesn't seem right. Think about it with friendships. I've known that person for years. And now, I mean, it doesn't seem like we're as close. And now they're closer to somebody else. They're doing other things together. You know, we've hung out with that family for years. And now they're vacationing with somebody else. And that family just showed up at the church. You get the feeling that these guys would understand, these workers would realize it's not being fair. And then the owner stands up and go, that's not fairness. That's entitlement. That's not fairness at all. In God's kingdom, it isn't about how long we serve or how well we produce. The only thing that matters is that we've been called to work. That's what Jesus is saying. Because none of us gets the credit for it. Oh, maybe somebody gets a pat on the back. Somebody gets noticed because they're in a position where other people see them. Somebody gets a slide. But the reality is it's not about us. It shouldn't be about our position. It shouldn't be about our seniority. It really shouldn't be about our reward. 
We should just be doing what God has called us to do. You know, I'll say this. Um, I've thought this since the moment I read this story as a high school student. I'm a five o'clock worker. I just showed up. And I, I, I've only worked for an hour. And I get to rejoice in all the benefits. Can, can, I, can I be honest with you? In, in a moment, of course, I'm a pastor. I have to be honest with you. Um, but I think this way about Sunrise Church. Um, I sat with a pastor this last week. And uh, we were sitting at Starbucks. And he's... Uh, from a church here and he's associate pastor he's moving the other side of the continent to Rhode Island and he's going to be there and he's going to be his first pastorate a couple hundred people and he starts talking about sunrise he lists all these things and he's asking about all this and you know did you plan all this and this and I'm, I'm sitting there thinking I don't know how you think any of that we're just a bunch of idiots here. We don't know what we're doing. I'm the first idiot in line. You know what I mean? All, all I know is that if you love God and you love people, God likes that. Okay. And if you just figure that out, it's like, well, what about this? And what about this? And what about that? I'm like, ah, I don't know. You think I'm a lot smarter than I am. I really am not that smart. You look around at all the things. We have multiple campuses. We've got opportunities where people are growing in their faith and we're making inroads in the community and people are coming to Jesus. Like I just showed up. You know what I mean? I don't really know. I mean, I have some ideas, but there's no way we can take credit for what God has done here. None of us can take credit for it. It's all about Jesus anyway, right? See, that's the right attitude. Sometimes I forget that. So I'm sure sometimes you forget that too. I'm just thankful that God called me. The reality is if we were to stand like that worker did, that one guy did in the story and say, wait a minute, I want what's coming to me. Stop and think about this biblically. Do you really want what's coming to you? I like that. Let's, let's talk about that for a minute. That's kind of fun. You don't. The Bible says we've all sinned. The Bible says we've all fallen short of the glory of God. That means none of us, even on our good days, impress God. None of us have enough brownie points. None of us have enough spiritual activity that God would even notice us. We are enemies of God, the Bible says, by birth. I know it doesn't feel like it. You feel like you're working around, you're doing your best, but the Bible says we're separated from God. And, and if we do not receive his free gift of grace, this message of Jesus, that he loved us so much, that he came down to this earth, that he lived a perfect sinless life, that he went to the cross, died for us, that he rose again. If we don't receive this message, then we stay separated from God for all eternity. And, and at the end of our lives here, we live the rest of our eternity paying for our lives. Well, in fact, one of the verses in the Bible says the wages, that's what we earn. The wage in the story they work for, what we work for in our life, the wage of sin, that's our life, what we do is separation from God is death. Eternal separation from God. The wages of our lives, the normal paycheck we will get at the end of our lives is death. But the free gift of God. And that's what it is. It's free. It's not earned. It's not deserved. It's not achieved by birth, by church attendance. It's a free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So you don't want what's fair. You don't want fair. You can't cry out, God, please be fair to me. Because you don't want the end of that. And so the reality is you and I live off the system of grace, not performance, right? And if you're here and you're living off the system of performance, I do these things and God is honored. I do these things. I get up. I read my Bible. I go to church. I do all these things. And those will somehow make me okay with God. They won't. That's a performance plan. Get off the performance plan. Get on the grace plan. The grace plan is I don't deserve any of it. Now I do things. 
Now I work in his vineyard. Now I work in his kingdom. But I do it as a response to what he's given me as a free gift. Jesus' teaching cuts across our thinking that God is lucky to have us. Because God is not lucky to have us. The truth is, we're desperately lost without him. It's life is not about us. We like to think it is. It's about God. We're not the master. We like to think we are. We're the servant. We're the slave in the field. We're the worker. Everything is not for our glory, as we like to think. Everything is for God's glory. I love this uh, quote. I've, I've had this for about 25 years. I go back to it every once in a while. New Testament scholar Fred Craddock, he wrote in a commentary. He said, the offense of grace, and that's what it is. Grace, God's grace is offensive. It, it just smacks us in the face. It's offensive. The offense of grace is not in the treatment we receive. Here it is. But in the observation that others are getting more than they deserve. <laughs> Which means we somehow are the deciders of that, right? It's not fair, right? That's the worker in the field. The generosity of God quite often cuts across our calculations of who deserves what. For all our talk of grace, the church still has trouble with it. We still have trouble with it. Pastors have trouble with it. People in the church have struggle, troubles with it. Workers have trouble with it. I love this. One of my favorite sayings in the life of Jesus in the, in the teaching. It's this really obscure little passage. It's quite troubling, but I like it. When a servant, that's you and me, comes in from plowing or taking care of the sheep, does his master say, the master is always God. When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does his master say, come in and eat with me? No, he says, prepare my meal. Put on your apron and serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say we're unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. Now, I know that Jesus says in a parable that one day we're going to stand before him. He's going to welcome us in. If we've taken good care of the talents that he's given us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. Celebrate with me. Come to my party. It's all about me anyway, right? But when you do your work, how about this? When you get up tomorrow, your, your prayer could simply be this. God, I am just an unworthy servant who's just doing my duty. Give me some duty today. Give me something to do today that's about you. And at the end of the day, I don't need a pat on the back. I don't need an encouraging word. I'm going to do what you have invited me to do. But I know this flies in the face of our give everybody a trophy who's on the team, right? Everybody deserves that, right? That's what we do to our culture and our world. Our generations are being spoiled because everybody deserves their rights. That is entitlement. And that's not how real life works. And the government can't keep bailing us out on this one. We as human beings do our work. And at the end of the day, we put our head to the pillow. And if we're followers of Christ... We do our work in the kingdom of God, whatever that might be. And we put our head to the pillow at night and we go, God, thank you for even calling me into your service, into your kingdom. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve what you've given me. I don't deserve the praises. I don't deserve the invitation to do the hard work. And if you get the accolade and one day Pastor James puts a slide up about you, it's like, okay, you don't even deserve that, right? Because none of us deserve it. And I stand up here as the front to say, this is the mantra of life. It has to be. We have to have the kind of heart that says it's not about us. It's all about what Jesus is doing. And the fact that he showed up in that pickup truck in that parking lot and said, I need six people. And we signed up. It's about him. It's not about us. And we do the work. We get some wage, but he gets all the glory and all the credit. 
So a couple thoughts here as we draw it to a close. A couple just, for me, a couple realities. I want to say it this way. And these are just some random thoughts I had this week about it. Number one, it's surprising how quickly the workers lost their perspective. It's surprising how quickly we lose our perspective, right? Again, they're the workers. They don't have any rights. They were invited to work for a day and they were promised a salary. But when somebody gets more, immediately they get irate. They lost perspective. If the farmer had hired nobody else, they could have easily complained. You're a horrible farmer. You expect six of us to do all this work. Why don't you go out and hire other people? But you should only pay them based on the percentage, right? You know, you should have a little Fitbit that determines how many actual grapes they've picked. And then you pay them for that, right? Because that's fair. They lost perspective. Number two. The grumbling and complaining of the workers makes a lot of sense to us. It does, because that's what we propagate in our culture. We propagate that this is how it works and everything should be level and everything should be fair. But that's not life. And those of you who have had a little moment, a little tinge of, come on, God. Why aren't you blessing me like you're blessing them? After all I've done for you. And come on, we've all felt something like that. We've all felt it. We've all looked around and said, could you just show me a little grace, God? I've done so much. And we forget that it's not in our grumbling. Our rights. It's not in our entitlement. One of the things, if we're not careful, is we get bitter in the kingdom of God. People get bitter because they work long and long, long hours. And maybe in their family, the kids don't turn out the way they think they should. They get bitter. Their marriage doesn't turn out the way they think it should. They get bitter. Their, their small group, their, their church, their thing doesn't turn out. We get bitter. Uh, Pastor Kevin said this to me this last week. Entitlement and bitterness are the bookends when life doesn't seem fair. But that's not how it works in the kingdom of God. You and I should get up every morning and say, I want to work in your field, God. Thank you for picking me up and thank you for hiring me and thank you for giving me anything. Because what I really deserve is never to be hired. In fact, that's this last thought. It's only Jesus calling that gives us any purpose in life. We forget that we were standing around in the marketplace of sin. The Bible uses those pictures. What we deserve is punishment. But he invited us into his field, into his kingdom. And so whatever he gives us, that's fair. Because he's God. And as it says in the Old Testament, should the judge of all the earth not be fair? Can you stand up and really truly declare that God is not being fair? No. God knows exactly what's in every human heart. And he gives us, if we come to Jesus, not what we deserve. He gives us grace instead. And some of us need to really realize that because some of us are sitting here week after week, month after month, year after year, hearing the message and not receiving it. You do not want what you deserve. Because that would be an eternity away from God in punishment because of your sin. You want grace. And all you have to do is cry out to God and say, I want your grace. I want your forgiveness. For those of us who've walked a a long journey with God, and if our heart feels a little cold and embittered, we feel a little entitled, go to God. Just say, God, this is truth. It just doesn't seem fair. Cry out to God. Just scream. He's big. He's a big boy. He can take it. You know, he's got big shoulders to cry on and he'll help you see the perspective. He always does. Let's pray. As we close our eyes, I want to just kind of walk through a couple questions just for our processing as we close. Is there any area of your life where you feel that God hasn't been fair? Is there anything that it just doesn't seem right? 
just tell him. I mean, he already knows it, but just vocalize it, verbalize it to him. Just say, God, as your son, God, as your daughter, I just, it just doesn't feel fair. Just get the words out. Be honest with God. He never promised you a happy, pain-free life. He outlines principles in his word that when we follow them, he does bless, but he never promises that it'll work out the way we dreamed, but it'll work out the way he planned if we follow him. You know, we only see through a keyhole, like we're looking through a door and it's a small bit and it's easy to not see enough. One day the Bible says when we stand before him, the whole door will be open and we'll see everything and it'll make sense. And so maybe we need a perspective change. We need a heart change. Maybe we're here and we're just so overcome by pain and grief. You know, God never wastes a hurt. Cry out to him today. Be thankful for what he's given you. Cry out for more grace even. For the rest of us, man, just be grateful that he's called you into his kingdom. He has invited you to work in his field. And one day, not on this earth, but one day in eternity, we will walk in and we will see the fruit of our labor. And it will be worth celebrating. But God's still going to get all the glory. And we're going to stand around thankful that he involved us. And we are going to give all honor and praise as we bow before him and confess that he is Lord and Savior. If you've never done it here on the earth, would you do that today? Believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Confess with your mouth that he is Lord and you'll be saved. Father, we thank you and we pray that in the midst of all of this, you would speak to us. Words um, of encouragement, maybe words uh, that might frustrate us, but words of truth. Speak to us, Lord, we pray in your name. Amen.